0: Thank you all the youth and uh, that does sound like a, a great weekend together. How many of you are looking forward to a football game this afternoon? <laughs> a few of us. I'm one of them. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the ramp. Now for, for uh, Chelsea and I, it's a divided house because she has been a 49ers fan s- since she was a little kid. You'll have to ask her why. I'll give you a hint. She thought uh, Jerry Rice was cute when she was little and a uh, lifelong fan now. And, uh, but I'm rooting for the Rams because I always root for the home team. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, some of you are like, who cares? I just get into this. I, I care nothing about sports. Uh, but I'm a sports fan, and it's fun. And one of, the, uh, one of the fun things that sports fans like to do is they like to have ridiculous arguments that obviously you could never know. Like, who are the five greatest basketball players ever? Uh, every, uh, at, at any time in, in the history since the invention of the sport or who are the greatest quarterbacks or things like that. Tom Brady just, uh, reti- well, I don't even know. There's reports now that that's not a true report, but uh, there's rumors that he has reported. Surely he is probably the best football player that there's ever been. One of the ways we like to word these ridiculous arguments is we say, who is on the Mount Rushmore of basketball players and uh, in other words who is the four best and uh, Michael Jordan is surely on that list and probably LeBron and then it goes on from there well this morning if we were to say who's on or what uh what passage from the Bible is in the on the Mount Rushmore of teachings about Jesus this one is surely there we're looking at one of the best of the best, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And I'll just let you know up front, like we are just going uh, to get the tip of the iceberg. This is such a wonderful passage. In fact, this is probably, this is a little, little trivia if you ever get into Bible trivia. This is probably the oldest written text in, the, in all of the New Testament. Because Paul, the, the, the majority of the words that we're reading here this morning, Paul is quoting and uh, a, a hymn. This is a song that the early church would have sung when they gathered together. And, uh, and these words uh, from these first followers of Jesus that were written just a few years after his resurrection are so rich and deep, full of theology and doctrine, that this is on the Mount Rushmore of teachings about Jesus. It's wonderful stuff. And so I'm looking forward to this, uh, looking forward to digging into this text, more than I'm looking forward to the Rams game. That's for sure. uh, Because this is good stuff. We're going to be reading Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So if you are here or if you are at home... Uh, take out your Bibles. This is good stuff. You're going to want to make some marks in the Scripture. Again, we're still waiting on projector. Everything takes a little longer to order these uh, this, in this day and age. But um, we, we are looking at Philippians 2, and we'll be looking at verses 5 through 11. Before we, before we read this, let's just go before the Lord. So rich, let's go before the Lord and ask for God to speak to us. Father God, as we uh, read this passage of Scripture and as we uh, turn our hearts to your word, we pray that you would come and be our teacher now. Speak to us, we pray, God. We, we thank you for who you are. and We know that you have the power to change our lives. And so we submit these uh, next several minutes to you, asking that you would come and, and just minister to us wherever we are at. May it be you who speaks to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, This passage could uh, be broken up into three parts. Uh, The first verse is kind of the introduction. Uh, It's the first part. We can say verse 5, we could call, follow the example of Jesus. And then it's going to give us the example of Jesus. Part 2 we'll call the humiliation of Jesus. That's verses 6 through 7. And then part three is the exaltation of Jesus, verses 9 through 11. As I said, part one is the application on the front end. He, Paul start, Before he quotes the hymn, he says, this is, this is what your attitude should be like. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And so the application here is huge that our attitude should be the same as Jesus like that's that in itself is a is a huge statement that we are to follow the attitude of Jesus and if that weren't big enough if i just take a moment and expound upon this this word that is translated attitude it gets even bigger the the greek word that we have here is phroneo which really is more than than what we would typically call just our attitude our feelings about a person or a situation the the greek word here encompasses our minds our nature our essence in other words everything about us so like i said the the application is huge we ought to think and act and feel as jesus did in everything we do now that's a huge challenge and it might even feel overwhelming like, when I read that, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. There's no way I could act and feel and, and speak and live like Jesus. Uh, but before we get overwhelmed and want to quit before we start, we have to go on to parts two and three because they'll give us hope. We ought not to throw in the towel before we start. Like, the Rams not not to throw in the towel against the 49ers just because they lost six times in a row. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but you can tell where my mind's at today. Uh, we can't give up before we start uh, because there's, there's, there's hope in ex- the, ex- the explanation of who Jesus is. So let's get into that. Part two we're calling this the humiliation of Jesus. The humiliation of Jesus is that he starts at this high level and he humbles himself to a very low level. It starts at the top point. Verse 6, Paul says, Jesus is in the very nature God. As high as he can go, Jesus is in the very nature God. Now that's an even greater statement than to say that Jesus is God. Because if you were to say Jesus is God, people could say that someone is God or something is God, and what they're doing is they're elevating something to a God-like status, or saying that it, that it is being worshipped like God. What Paul is saying here is Jesus hasn't been elevated. He's not being worshipped as God uh, because, of his, because he's been lifted up. He's at his very core God. Everything that we would think about, God the Father, or, or uh, God himself, his nature, his character his being uh infinite having no beginning or end jesus is at the very his very essence his core this is who he is jesus has from eternity past and for eternity future he is god it is it is his his nature he's not been elevated here this is who he is jesus is god he is equal to god the father god the spirit he is uh within the trinity Jesus is, in the very nature, God. Now, that is a radical statement. If we can just get our mind around that for a moment, to claim that Jesus is God, in, the very, uh, in his very nature, God, that's a, that's a r- very radical statement. In fact, that is a radical statement that deserves a radical response. Now, if I, was, if I was to say right now, the building is on fire! The building is on fire. That's a radical statement, right? In fact, that's against a, a law because if you, were to, uh, if you were to announce that in a public uh, place, there would be pandemonium. It is a radical statement that, uh, in, uh, that incites a radical decision, a radical response. And for us to say that Jesus is God... Uh, we uh, deserves a radical response. In fact, I want to challenge you. Uh, sometime in your life, I want you. To, I want to challenge you to read through the Gospels and the life of Jesus, and get a notebook. And as you read through the four Gospels, write down every response that people have to Jesus. You'll notice that people always have a radical response. To interaction with jesus nobody ever has a moderate or an apathetic response to him now some people will deny him they'll say jesus is not who he claims to be he's not uh, he, uh, they they'll just dis- deny him and disown him there are others who who will despise him there are some who despise him so much they put plans together to have him crucified to have him killed. But then the third response, which is also a radical response, is that some devote their lives to him. There are some that he comes and he gives them an invitation and they devote their whole lives to him. But every response is radical. They either deny, they despise, or they devote. And in our world today, in which so many people just say, Oh, I like Jesus. Or they say, yeah, uh, Jesus is a good guy, and they put him on the back burner of their lives. That's a ridiculous response to him. If we really understood who he is, that Jesus is God and the very nature of God, it deserves a much more radical response. And I just challenge all of us, uh, wrestle with that claim. And if you come to the point where you deny it, okay. If you come to the point where you despise him, okay. I'm not saying fine. I think that's a foolish decision, but at least it's a radical decision. Don't sit on the fence. But my challenge to us is if we really recognize who Jesus is, uh, we ought to devote our lives to him. It is, uh, he is in this passage, as it is saying, he is God. uh, We ought to make a decision and either reject him or receive him. Now, that's the starting point that Jesus starts up here at the very nature of God. Now, what we're going to see here next is what we're calling his humiliation. Seven steps down. I don't know if there's seven intentionally, but that is the number in the Bible of perfection, of completion. And we have here, from way up here, it's going to take seven steps to get way down here. Step one, Jesus being in the very nature of God, one You can even number these in your Bible if you want. One, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Two, made himself nothing. Three, took on the very nature of a servant. Four, was made in human likeness. Five, was found in the appearance of a man. Six, became obedient to death. Seven, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus went from the glories of heaven down to the most humiliating death that you can imagine, the crucifixion on a cross. Now, it starts here, the first step, uh, Paul says, is he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. When we think of of that word, it's not that he was, he's not saying equality with God he didn't consider worth seeking, it's saying, no, he, it wasn't worth hanging on to. He was God, but, he, but uh, he said he didn't hang on to it. In fact, the next uh, step, two will describe that even further. It says he made himself nothing. The Greek word there is kenosis, which means that he laid aside. He laid aside all of his godly characteristics, Doesn't mean that he ceased to become God. It says that in becoming a human, he laid aside things like his omniscience and his omnipotence, his omnipresence, uh, all of these things that he had as part of the Godhead, uh, in becoming man, he laid those things aside. Now, uh you'll you'll say, well, how did he do all those miraculous things then? He healed people. He multiplied food. He he rose from the dead. If he he laid aside the powers of God, how did he do all those things? Acts 10, 38 gives us the answer. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus, as a man, did all of the things while he was on earth because of the power of God in him, because of the Holy Spirit that lived in him. When people came and asked him when he would return, he says, I don't know, because the Father hasn't revealed those things to me yet. You see, he laid aside these godly characteristics. Even though he was still God, he laid those things aside. He didn't hang on to them with an iron fist. He emptied himself, became nothing. And then it says he took on the very nature of a servant. There's that same word, the very nature. It was in the very nature of God. Now he says he takes on the very nature of a servant. The Greek word here is doulos, which literally means slave. Jesus became a slave. Now Jesus in his humiliation, could have, it would have been enough to come to earth as a man, but he could have come as a glorious man. As a king, shining with glory, and everyone would have come out and marvelled at how beautiful and how powerful he was. No, he he came as the most lowly type of man that you can imagine, a slave. And uh, in a world that asks how high can you fly, Jesus is asking how low can I go, and he goes even lower. He became a servant and died a human death. Can we just get our minds around that for a moment? A God who is eternal died a human death. And not just any death, verse 8 emphasizes it, even a death on a cross. If he would have lived a long life and died a peaceful death, That would have been low enough, but he chose the lowest death you could imagine. The death of a criminal, in which he hung on a cross for hours on end as people paraded in front of him and spit upon him and mocked him. You see, this is the humiliation of Jesus. He went from the glories of heaven all the way to a criminal's death. He humbled himself so much, and it was willingly and intentionally i was trying to think of an analogy for us what if you were to willingly and intentionally today become a roach it's the grossest animal i can think of all right okay now let me share with you uh something that chelsea uh shared this past week and i know i'm going to grow some of you out okay uh but uh it's for a purpose and uh so so please forgive me ahead of time she sh- and this was at dinner time i said chelsea don't say that i don't even want to eat now but she she heard on the radio and she heard this on caleb so the christian station some of you may have heard this there was there was a guy who had a scratching and an itching in his ear and he went to the doctor and he had a roach living in his ear like <laughs> i mean that's gross right uh Jesus going from the glories of heaven and becoming a a man like he did uh, was far greater humiliation than if we were to willingly and intentionally become a roach. Now, why would Jesus do such a thing? Why would he uh, willingly and intentionally humble himself in this way? I think, again, we're looking at the character of Jesus. Jesus. You see, he became a servant. He, it he says in his very nature, uh, he became a servant because something about him, part of his character was he was servant-like. And a servant always is serving. Jesus became a man so that he could serve his heavenly Father by glorifying God. Jesus became a man so that he could serve the Holy Spirit by sending the Spirit. Jesus became a man so that he could serve his creation that he loves so much by dying on the cross for us and and saving us. Jesus humbles himself because it is his desire to serve and to exalt those that he loves. Now, if we think of that, that is a remarkable statement that Jesus loves us so much that he would humble himself in this way because we do not deserve it. Like This passage says, Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. If we were to re- rewrite this for ourselves, we might say something like, we, though we are not God, consider equality with God something we want to grasp, and we seek to make ourselves something. By our very natures, we are so full of pride, so full of self-seeking, so so full of just what can I get out of this world? And Jesus, in his very nature, his, his core, he is the opposite of that. He is humble and he is gentle. There's only one statement in all of the Bible. And I didn't really realize this. I read this in a book a couple weeks ago. Uh, someone pointed this out. There's only one statement in all the Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. In, he, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, For I am gentle and humble in heart. That's who Jesus is. That's why he came to earth As a man, because he is gentle and humble in heart. Now, we don't deserve it. And as I said, it's almost overwhelming for us to think that we uh, are given the challenge to be like Jesus. Well, here's where hope begins to sprout. Because even though we don't deserve it, Jesus wants us to come and follow him. Like even though we don't deserve it, he well, we he welcomes us into his care. It's kind of like a doctor who, uh, uh, who had all, who he he was completely wealthy, and uh and he and he had everything he needed, and yet he heard about a tribe in some remote remote rainforest uh, that was dying from a disease that which there was a known cure for. And uh, this doctor uh, decided, I'm going to go in and help this tribe. But no one in the tribe wanted to receive it. They were too proud. What would that, how would that make the doctor feel? It would hurt him, right? It is his desire to help those that he can help. In the same way, it is uh, God's desire to come alongside of us. Even though we don't deserve it, it pleases him because this is who he is. He is gentle and humble in heart. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, Jesus in his humiliation and coming to this earth as a man, he is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. He's able to understand where we're at because he's experienced everything that we've experienced. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Jesus felt that way too. Do you ever feel anxious and stressed and And just on edge so was Jesus to the point where his sweat became like drops of blood as he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane have you ever uh, been betrayed so was Jesus by Judas and Peter and all of his followers do you ever feel lonely so has Jesus Was in the wilderness 40 days by himself. Have you ever felt tempted to sin, like hard temptation, like Satan himself was tempting you? So has Jesus, who was tempted by the devil. Have you ever felt like God left you? He abandoned you. So has Jesus as he hung on the cross and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever felt the disappointment of unanswered prayers? So is Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if there is any way, take this cup from me. Do you ever feel hurt? Do you ever weep? Do you ever cry? Do you ever struggle? So is Jesus. I think of him crying over his friend Lazarus. You see, we have a high priest. We have Jesus himself who is gentle and humble in heart who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness he laid aside the glories of become a human like us and so it says let us approach the throne of grace with confidence why because we know who he is He is gentle and humble in heart so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, Jesus is not only able to understand what we are going through, He's able to help us because He went through it perfectly. He did not sin. He thrived. He was not only man, He was the God-man. And He's willing to come alongside of us. okay that's section two and we have one more section section three is verses eight or verses nine through eleven and it speaks of jesus's exaltation after his humiliation after he goes as low as he can go god exalts him verses uh nine through eleven says therefore god exalted him to the highest place And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a day in which Jesus will appear on the clouds. And he'll come in all of his glory. He'll come as the God-man and we will recognize him. For being who He is. He will be exalted on that day. Every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Even those that are in hell will bow the knee. And they'll acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. They will uh, confess with their tongue that Jesus is Lord. It is is in His exaltation He receives a name that is above every name. Now, there is a parallel here for us as well as we seek to adopt the same attitude that Jesus had. First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You see, in a world that challenges us to see how high we can fly, Jesus' example uh, for us challenges us to see how low we can go. And in going low, God lifts us up. So here's my application questions for this morning. Can you humble yourself before God this week? How can you learn dependence like Jesus had on his heavenly Father? Who can you serve this week? to take on the very nature of a servant? Who can you love unconditionally? Who can you forgive as Jesus has forgiven us? Who can, uh, how can you uh, uh, put others before yourself You see, there's so much application when we think your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. How can we humble ourselves and learn to live in dependence of God? Uh, How can we learn to be gentle towards one another? When we humble ourselves and depend on God, when we serve and love one another, we too will have our names exalted. But but I need to be careful here because we're not going to have our names exalted as the world exalts a name. Uh, we'll have our names exalted be, because our names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, we, when we cease to try to cre- uh, create a name for ourselves, we receive God's name to us. We've been adopted into his family and our identity is in Christ. In humbling ourselves, we find our true selves because we are created to live in dependence upon God and in gentleness towards one another. When we lose ourselves in Jesus, we find ourselves in him as well. And so now we've got to circle all the way back to the first verse. As I said, the application is given on the front end. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And it starts with humbling ourselves as Jesus did. In humility, we recognize God's grace towards us and we seek to learn to depend on him. And in gentleness, we seek to learn to put others before ourselves and to serve others. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you love us so much. God, we really don't deserve your kindness and your compassion, your gentleness to us. God, even though uh, we ought to be the most humble of humble, uh, God, we get mixed up in our own uh, spirits and in our own minds, and, and we think too highly of ourselves, and we seek to exalt ourselves. And God, right now, we just come before you and we recognize that we come in our brokenness and our weakness, but God, we thank you that we can come. In fact, it is in that brokenness and weakness that you accept us just as we are. If we come in our pride and thinking that we are strong, we actually are robbing ourselves of your grace and mercy to us. God, we thank you that, w- that you are humble and gentle in heart that you are gentle and humble in heart that uh that you love us so much that you came to this earth and died on the cross for us and that you uh long to continue to come alongside of us in our time of need to give us mercy and grace to help us in our weakness and so god we come before you today and we just thank you that uh you look upon us we thank you that we can come before you without having to try to have on any any sort of mass or appearance to make ourselves look good god we just come before you humble and broken and we pray that you would please envelop us into your love that's what we know you want to do it's your character it's who you are and so god we just thank you that we can receive your grace and mercy today God, there are some in this room right now that have come this morning and they don't have to be convinced that uh, they need to humble themselves. They've been humbled by life circumstances. They're going through uh, a really difficult time. I pray that they would be able to receive your grace and be strengthened by your Holy Spirit before they leave this room today. Pray that you would come and minister to them and draw close to them in a special way. For anyone here that's just feeling the burden of of this world and and the difficulty of this world, God, draw near to them. Help them to sense your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have some prayer counselors here uh, at the front of this uh, sanctuary. And if you are here this morning, and for whatever reason, you'd love just to have someone pray with you and for you, I encourage you to come uh, during this final song and to receive prayer. Uh, They'll be here for the few minutes after the service, and I encourage you to come and uh, receive prayer. Uh, Let's all stand as we sing this final song together.